Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sneaky Joe here, Joe DiBiase here on the Nightcap. Got until 8 o'clock, full show tonight, so feel free in the next 50 minutes to get your thoughts in at 8030550. I'm actually looking to gear more towards the Sabres today. I am fired up for hockey. I really am. And, you know, this you might roll your eyes because the Bills are the best Buffalo sports team we've had in over a decade. It's the best Bills team we have seen in at least 25 years. You might be able to rank this Bills team right next to the 90s teams in terms of the greatest teams we've ever seen them have. We'll see what happens playoff time. There's plenty to talk about. We've got tons of seeding stuff to talk about, and we'll do some of that tonight on the show. But I do want to start with hockey because, God, I miss it. And... I know there are a ton of Sabre fans out there that even though 95% of you are upset with the last nine years, are upset with the team, the direction, some of the storylines and the intel that has come out about the organization in the offseason, but as we approach the season and you kind of get away from the games, you get away from the frustration sitting in the arena, spending whatever you spent on tickets and kind of sulking in the product that you're getting and that you're paying a lot of money for. To separate yourself with a lot of time, nine-month off-season, between then and now, it's easier to look at it in a more positive light. Because now you look at the Sabres organization, and yeah, still pretty bare, bare bones in the hockey department, right? Like, do they, do they have an assistant GM on the staff right now? I know Kevin Adams is the general manager. You've got Jason Nightingale in there right now who is serving as director of analytics but also uh, head of college scout, one of the scouting positions as well. So they've got guys in there, and they've started to rehire some scouts. But, man, I don't know how you could be upset with anything they've done this offseason. They've done as good a job as you could possibly imagine When it comes to instilling hope in a fan base that has, for the most part, been left hopeless for a decade. They've done as good a job as you could possibly ask for. And when I say that, I'm pointing mostly to the big important stuff. You know, them signing Zemgis Giergensens to a three-year deal at an amount of money that comparable, 
you know, okay, I guess you could do, there is a more perfect offseason because that contract doesn't look great. Johan Larson goes to Arizona for less money, and it was pretty clear who the more important player was. But man, you signed Taylor Hall and you traded for Eric Stahl. Begin and end there. That's the offseason. The bottom six is the bottom six. And I like when a team is cycling through those players, keeping it fresh in order to continue to get looks at younger players who might have upside. And let's see if there's more to be had there. Okay, no, this guy isn't that great. Let's send him back down to Rochester. And there hasn't been a lot of that going on here with the Sabres when Jason Bottrell was the team's GM. It was a lot of the old same players coming back year after year. The bottom six was in large part the same tired players. But now, getting a couple fresh bodies in the bottom six, and maybe there's an opportunity to be had there for Tage Thompson. Maybe there's an opportunity to be had for Dylan Cousins or R2 Rootsalainen or... You're going to have a free agent come in, Cody Eakin, who's going to be in the bottom six. These are new names that are going to be playing role-player roles. So it's not just they added up top. They did allow for some openings in the lineup to where younger players can take over. Did not really mean to throw Cody Eakin in there with a point about younger players. I think he's 30-plus. But otherwise, that's your group of players. Dylan Cousins, assuming he gets a spot in the lineup, like that could be... A big swing this year to what the Sabres are, depending on what he is and what he's ready to be in a rookie season and what type of role they give him. I'm going to do line combinations at some point tonight. Like, I can't wait to do that, but I'm going to do line combinations tonight. And you could put Dylan Cousins in like four or five different spots center, wing, top six, bottom six. Put him with star offensive players, try to get the offense out of him, start him slow in the bottom six. You could do almost anything with him. Then you have your Tage Thompsons and your Casey Middlestats, who are, at this point, disappointing prospects. It's hard to completely give up on both of them. I personally have given up on them in terms of being elite contributors to turning this franchise around. I think they could play a part in a turnaround, but I don't think they're driving it. So what do you get out of them is a question mark as well. The blue line is mostly the same. So there's not really much to talk about the blue line. The goaltending situation is mostly the same as well, although I'll talk about those as well uh, before we move on to the Bills at some point later in the show. But like, let me know. Is, is the time, is time heals all wounds in effect these last nine months? Are you going into the season with optimism? The reason, by the way, I am starting with the Sabres is we have the season details. 56-game schedule. It will start on January 13th. At least the league will start January 13th. I'm not sure if every team will start that date, but the league will start that day. The season will wrap up in May. The playoffs will start in May, and the Stanley Cup will end in July right before the Olympics uh, in Tokyo, wherever they are. I think it's Tokyo. And then today we got more details about COVID protocols and you know how teams are going to operate in their locker rooms and health and safety measures, testing. That all comes out today. We already had the divisions, by the way, that came out with the season details. The Sabres and the Bruins basically moving to the Metropolitan Division in place of the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Carolina Hurricanes. 
And tomorrow, what's being reported now by multiple people, I've seen Pierre Lebrun on this, Elliot Friedman, Frank Saravelli, it's being reported that tomorrow is when we should find out the schedule. And that's interesting in its own right. There is reporting that what's going to happen is you're going to have these mini-series against the same opponent, a very baseball-like schedule to what they do in Major League Baseball where you play the same team two, three times in a row and then you move on to the next team where you play them two, three times in a row and then you play someone else two, three times in a row. And I love that. I think that that could fuel rivalries. I think if you have, this doesn't happen as much in hockey anymore, but like last year, think Oilers and Flames for this last season. The whole Zach Cassian, uh, Matthew Kachuk charade back and forth. Kachuk's throwing hits. The Oilers are upset. They're throwing dirty hits back. And it's like, oh, I can't wait until these two teams play again because it's going to be fireworks. And all that tension kind of goes away over the course of two, three months until you play them again. Whereas, you know, if someone throws a dirty hit this season and you want your team to answer the bell, and you want to see if anything happens and comes of it between the two teams. It's like, all right, they played tonight. Can't wait till Thursday. Like It's going to be right around the corner. I think that could help fuel rivalries. I like the idea of, oh, it's Bruins week or it's Penguins week. I like that. So I think this is a good opportunity for the NHL to test that out. They are doing it, I think, out of need to limit the travel. Uh, back and forth across the country for these teams. So I don't think they're doing it just as an experiment. But I do wonder if it could carry over into future seasons. Not maybe as what their schedule is made up of entirely, but maybe you get more instances of that series-type fixtures uh, across an entire season. So all that's come out in the last couple of days. It's got me thinking hockey, and I kind of went through the roster a little bit there. I do want to get into some line combinations because training camp, by the way, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, will begin a week from tomorrow a week from tomorrow and that is I mean is that not exciting a week from tonight tomorrow you're still going to start seeing is our two roots line and skating with Eric Stahl where's Thompson where's they have the Skinner Stahl combination I haven't even mentioned Jack Eichel yet it's Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall actually going to be a combination so all that's going to be coming a week from tomorrow and I want to go through some line combinations here that I put together. This is what I think the Sabres should do. Not necessarily what I think they will do, but what I think they should do. So Sabre line combinations, 2021. Eight days from training camp. Line one, Jack Eichel at center, Taylor Hall on the left, Victor Olofsson on the right. To me, this is probably going to be the line. It just makes too much sense on paper. You signed Hall. Didn't you sign Hall to play with Eichel? I mean, it was in the sales pitch. We saw behind the scenes on the Sabres embedded piece that the team did. Like, they're talking about Eichel and Hall as a combination. And I'd imagine that a selling point for Hall, coming here on a one-year deal, in part maybe trying to rebuild his value, would be, hey, if you're going to play with Jack, I mean, get ready for 90-plus points. So, I think Hall and Eichel are together. And then Olofsson, you know, he hasn't played right wing with the Sabres yet. But his skill set, to me, screams offside winger. 
playing on his one-timer all the time. And when you've got two incredible puck carriers, two incredible playmakers in Eichel and Hall, Olafson, I mean, he doesn't have to touch the puck at all this year and do anything with it other than shoot, and he could have a great season. So I like those three as a combination. You know, 35% of the ice time maybe. You're looking around like 20 minutes a night, uh, even strength. So that's my line one. Line two for the Sabres going into the 2021 season. I have Eric Stahl centering Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson. Not the name you've, I assume you thought I was going to throw there, right? I want to see if they can unlock anything in Tage Thompson. It's time to find out what that is. He is 6'7". He is big. He can skate. He can shoot. He can stick handle. And for some reason, he just can't put all of that together on the ice. And coming into another season, another year of pro hockey, getting some good games with the Amherst in last year where he played well, I would hope that playing with two skilled players like Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner could maybe unlock what we've got in Tage Thompson. If it doesn't work, then I think I've, you've got your answer on what you have there. Uh, Stahl and Skinner, by the way, like to me, that's an easy one. I think that's going to be the combination. Stahl is a good puck carrier, good zone entry men last season, very above average when it comes to that. Skinner, goal scorer, you know, he can carry the puck if he needs to, but that's going to be more on Stahl, I would imagine, as the playmaker. So get, get some more goals out of Skinner this season. Go from Marcus Johansson and Vladimir Sabatka to Eric Stahl and Tage Thompson. I don't think he's getting to the 40-goal mark like he did with Eichel, but I think you could get 25 to 30 goals out of Jeff Skinner. And I would hope that would be like the floor for Skinner this season, making $9 million. Line three, I'm going to beat the same dead horse for the fifth time in a row, fifth year in a row. I'm going to keep coming back to it. I hope and pray that it will someday happen. I've got Sam Reinhardt at center. Go ahead. Make your jokes. But yet again, I have Sam Reinhardt playing center. I've made my case for why it makes sense to play him there a thousand times. But just as a refresher, because it's been a while. The guy was drafted as a center. He played center his entire life. He got placed as a winger with Jack Eichel. The numbers, the production, it was almost too good to take him off. But he's never had a real shot to be an NHL centerman. He got nine games as a 19-year-old on a tanking team. And he got one week playing with Seth Griffith and Benoit Pouliot a couple of years ago. And that's all he's had. That is not a fair shake. And what I have with Reinhardt on the wings is actually two other centermen. So I don't know. You can make your case for why that might help him out as well in a position adjustment. But I like Dylan Cousins and Sam Reinhardt as a duo. So I've got Cousins starting out his NHL career on the wing with the idea of him eventually moving back to center. But starting as a rookie with a skilled player like Reinhardt, I think that that is the that's the where you want to put Cousins. I think you got to give him at least one quality offensive player in order to see what he's got in terms of his offensive ability right out of the bats. And then throw our two roots alignin on the other wing. This actually is a line that I'll admit, I got from Matt Beauvais earlier, our buddy from WKBW. I saw his tweet earlier with his Sabre line combinations. I saw that line. I'm like, oh, this has to be it. This is this is a great line. Maybe it, maybe it flames out. Could absolutely happen because you've got 
a guy who's been playing wing the last five years down the middle. You've got a 19-year-old rookie on one wing, and then you've got a player from the Finnish league on the other wing. You know, it doesn't have to work for sure. But if I s try to spin it positively, you got the best prospect in the organization. you got one of the best forwards in the organization. And you've got the leading scorer from the Finnish Hockey League this season all on the same line. And as your third line, I feel like that could work. So that's my line three. Line four, Cody Eakin, Kyle Poso, Samus Girgensons. That's basically the leftovers. Uh, Eakin just sliding in for Johan Larson on the log line. We'll have to come up with a new, new nickname. Geo line, G-E-O. I don't know. Someone else come up with something. Uh, but that's my line four. Notice I don't have Casey Middlestad included. I would absolutely... By the way, first of all, he's not even under contract. Still a restricted free agent. But Middlestad's got to be in Rochester to start the year. I mean, that is going south quick. It is going south quick. He needs ice time. He needs an important role. And he needs power play minutes. And he will only get all of that, I believe, in Rochester. He should have been there two years ago. He wasn't. Fine. Give him some grooming time in, with the Amherst, and let's see if he can end up becoming something in the NHL. Don't even need him to be the second-line center that we once dreamed of. That responsibility will likely be put on Dylan Cousins. Can Middlestat develop into a middle six winger? That's where we're at on him. And I think the best path to get him there is to start in Rochester. Defense pairings. The only thing I really want to say about the defense pairings, I'm only going to do the top pair. Because the rest of it, to me, just doesn't matter. You know, put them in a blender and see what comes out. Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yoki Haru. Get that as a top pair. That is a number one pair. Let's see if those two young studs can carry the blue line this season. Because the only path to the Sabres improving from last year to this year on the defense, to me, is if Rasmus Dahlin and Henry Yoki Haru, one or both, takes a big step forward. I think a lot of us are waiting and hoping that Darlene will take that jump that we have seen from other young defensemen like Miro Heiskin in Dallas and what has already happened in Vancouver with Quinn Hughes in Colorado with Kale McCarr. I think Darlene has played great. I think he's been their best defenseman the last two seasons. He's putting up points, 40-plus points. He's been very good. We have not yet seen the generational player, and that's fine because defensemen generally take a couple of years. Eric Carlson took him five years. You know, like if you look at some of these records Darlene has broke, it's point totals under the age of 20, goals scored under the age of 20. It's like him and Phil Housley. So he's on the right track. But let's see if maybe this is the year that he goes from, all right, this is one of the best young defensemen in the league to, all right, this is one of the best defensemen in the league. He's in the Norris conversation. And for that to happen, got to give him 24 minutes a night on the top pair. And I think Henry Yokiharu has top pair material. He's a good passer. He is solid. He is secure in his own end. He does not turn the puck over. He does not get rattled easily. No, he is not wrist aligning in terms of a skater, in terms of a big body defenseman. He is not annoying to play against because wrist aligning will cross check you in the back of the neck. You know, Yoki Haru is not going to do that, but he is just a good, steady defenseman. And I think paired with Darlene, let's see if they could take off. And then, like I said, the other four. Ristolainen, Jake McCabe, Brandon Montour. Throw him in a blender, see what comes out. I like Colin Miller, but, you know, we're talking about a bottom four defenseman anyway. So, as long as he's in the lineup, I'm okay. And then, 
One other thing that I find important about the Sabres lineup for this season, and this is where I'll get to goalie. Linus Olmark needs to play a ton of games. I think for this to work, this coming trio, because if I didn't mention it earlier, one other adjustment to the NHL rules this season because of the COVID protocols and the possibility of somebody testing positive is teams will be required to carry a third goalie. Now, who will that be? That remains to be seen. My guess is it will be Dustin Tokarski, who is an AHL goaltender that the Sabres signed this offseason, just as an emergency guy. It could be Jonas Johansson. AHL All-Star last year did not really play well in the NHL. It was his first taste of NHL action. Maybe they think there's something more there and want to give him an opportunity to get a game in here or there. So maybe it's him. I doubt that it's Uka Pekalukanen. There was a report today from Lance Lysowski at the Buffalo News that Lukanen might be working out an extended loan with his team in Finland. And you know what? That's fine. Wherever Lukanen gets the most games is what I would be uh, hoping to sign up for. So if that's Finland, fine. But I don't think Lukanen will be here as the third goalie. I think it's probably Tukarski or Johansson with an outside chance that they bring in someone else. But the important thing about the Sabres in net this year is that Linus Olmark plays 40-plus games. 40-plus games on a 56-game schedule. If you get him 40 games, and maybe you give, maybe you split eight each for Hutton and Johansson, that brings you to 56. That's your best path. Hopefully, Olmark's able to stay healthy through that. He has had injury issues in his career. But we are talking about a goalie that was not setting the world on fire. But last year, an adjusted save percentage, he's right down the middle. Even, I think, right on the surface, his save percentage was right down the middle. Like 15th, 16th in the league. He was a middle-of-the-pack starter. And that's probably not enough to get the Sabres to the playoffs. Allmark being a middle-of-the-pack starter is probably not enough. But he's the only one, I think, that presents the opportunity to have a career year that could carry you in. You know, like that happens around the league. Goalies have career seasons, and their teams have tons of success because of it. I think that might be in there with Allmark. You know, if he can go from the 16th goalie in the league and adjusted save percentage to 8th or 7th, like he can crack like the top, you know, 5 even, then I think we're talking about a playoff team. And that's why I think he's got to play that many games because that might be one of your only paths to getting there is you got to get Olmark to really be his true number one goalie. I don't need him to be it forever because I'm you're riding on Ukapekalukanen to show up someday and be that guy. But can Olmark be that guy this season? I wouldn't bet on it, but there's a chance. And there's no chance of it happening with Carter Hutton. So, Olmark playing a big number of games is what I got for the Sabres in net. Alright. That was actually... like That was fun for me. 30 minutes, talking Sabres, haven't played a game in 9 months, but they're going to be on the ice in a week. And they're going to be playing games in less than a month. I'm pumped. Not as pumped as I am for the Bills, that's for sure. We'll talk some seeding. We'll switch to football when we come back. If you've got any thoughts on my lines, by the way, and if you have any changes before we get to the Bills, feel free to call in now at 803-0550, and we'll get to you right at the beginning of the next segment. But we will switch to the Bills, and I do want to talk about some of the seeding ramifications that 
came from last night. The Bengals beating the Steelers. The Bills vault to the two seed. We'll talk about what that means as well. And uh, we'll look for your calls at 803-0550. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. That is Patriots head coach Bill Belichick via conference call earlier today. Brian Dable, his former tight ends coach, now offensive coordinator of the Bills, and probably future head coach in the NFL. Where could that be, by the way? I mean, we hope it's not the Jets. So it could be the Jets, though. Um, It doesn't appear as though Jacksonville is going to become available. I think that's probably right. You have got the Jaguars saying that they're going to keep Doug Marone. It's as amazing as it is. That guy has coached, I think, seven seasons in the league now. He's made the playoffs once. He has a losing record. He's like 10 games below 500, and he has amazingly never been fired. You know, if he stays here, probably would have happened at some point. And the Jaguars just haven't done it. I mean, holy cow. Uh, Detroit is going to be a landing spot. So, Matthew Stafford is not really a quarterback that needs to be groomed. But, man, I am such a big Matthew Stafford fan. I think he's been a top-five quarterback in this league for a decade. And he will never get Hall of Fame consideration, even though I think he deserves it, because of the team he plays for. And because the team he plays for has never, ever had success. And it's not just because of him. Like, never. 54. Go back 60 years and they haven't. But anyways, not to get on a Lions rant here. Um, the Lions will be an opening if Dable wants to maybe poke around that job with Matthew Stafford. Maybe Matt Nagy is fired in Chicago, although you're starting over at quarterback there. Um, and what else is there? I mentioned the Jets, and that's if they fire Adam Gase. And it feels like the more time that goes on, that's less likely. But, I mean, how could they not, right? So, I think that's about it. Unless I'm forgetting somebody, Atlanta. They offered Raheem Morris today maybe to stay on as head coach, or maybe that might happen. The Texans, that's the other team I'm thinking of. The Houston Texans. Sean Watson. I mean, if, I am, if I'm Dable, I think that's where I'm going. I'm going to Houston. I'm going to build that team up with one of the best quarterbacks in the conference and in the league, and I'm going to go fight with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen for the next decade. That's what I'm going to do if I'm Brian Dable. Anyways, last night, the Bengals beat... The Steelers. I mean, wow, right? Pittsburgh, after winning 11 in a row, have lost three in a row. They cannot do anything offensively. They have not scored over 30 or over 20 points in the last three games. They lost to Ryan Finley. Did you watch Ryan Finley last night? He's got good, quick feet. You know, he can move. But, man, couldn't throw the ball at all. And you lost to them. That's brutal. How could anyone have any confidence at this point the Steelers are going to win a playoff game? And that's coming from a guy who picked them to win the Super Bowl and was maybe the last man defending their undefeated record. And I would sit here today and tell you I would not pick them to beat any team that would make the playoffs. Not the Browns, not the Ravens, not the Titans, not the Colts, not the Dolphins. Maybe not even the Raiders. The Raiders would be the closest I'd get, but they are very unlikely to make it. So, 
The Steelers losing to the Bengals means the Bills are now the two seed. They can lock it up this week with a win over New England on Monday night and losses by the Steelers and the Titans. And then week 17 next week for the Bills will be for nothing. And I think that's where you want to be. You want give, I don't want to give the Bills, and the Bills shouldn't want to give themselves any reason to have an important player on the field week 17. That's what you need to avoid at all costs. And the Steelers' loss last night makes clinching that within reach this week. So that was a big loss last night. Not just because it put the Bills into the two seed for right now, but because it means they can lock it up now this week and have no question about what you should do with your starters against the Dolphins. 803-0550 is the phone number. We will take a timeout here, and we will hear more on the Bills, get a little national perspective from Gary Grambling of Sports Illustrated, who was on with Howard and Sale earlier today. A little interview of the day coming back next to wrap things up here on the Nightcap on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.